Welcome to the Gospel According to Star Trek podcast. I'm Kevin C. Neese. And I'm Tim Van Orden, and this is Episode 8, Discovery Debriefing. We'll be starting off with some news about Star Trek Prodigy and then discussing Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 10, No Small Parts. And then we'll have an audience question right after our main story, taking a last look at Seasons 1 and 2 of Discovery before we get started next week on Season 3. Come and join us. So, I have... Who's <laughs> <We're> starting? <laughs> See, I let you start last week, and now you're like wanting to jump in. What are we going to say? Uh, so, what's up on the news <laughs> front? Oh, well, that's that's a lame lead in. <laughs> hey, I'm tired. That's okay. okay. I actually used up all my energy trying to say discovery debriefing. Discovery debriefing. I thought that was pretty. I thought that was easier to say than the than the uh, the proposed title of the episode, which was New Trek True Trek. Yeah, that one was going to (laughs) be. There's no way I was getting through that. The the longer version of which I I will remind you, you almost locked me into was New Trek True Trek Discovery Season Two Trek. yeah yeah uh, so um speaking of news track news track oh smooth smooth as buttery silk smooth as an android's bottom <laughs> sure <laughs> i wouldn't know um your loss <laughs> oh it's gonna be a long episode uh yeah so new trek i mean new news new news uh, <laughs> <laughs> um new news on the uh on the prodigy front um it's funny because like two different people were like uh this week we're like hey you've got to talk about this on the podcast and one of them was you um but yeah. we like to surprise each other with the new with the news items that we bring to the table but this week we're not it's it's the biggest news in star trek right now that kate mulgrew is coming back as Captain Janeway for Star Trek Prodigy. And I'm flipping excited about it. I am too. I, I am really stoked to see some more Janeway. I definitely came to have a greater appreciation of her the last time I ran through Voyager. So I am I am excited to see what they're going to do with the character. Mm-hmm. I do have a tiny little concern. Yeah. They're really starting to lean hard on that nostalgia factor. That's true. We mentioned this a few times before, and I'm worried that all this nostalgia stuff is going to make for a difficult entry point for newer fans. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, uh, you know, it's uh, there's two ways to look at it. One is nostalgia, and two is continuing the story of a character. So, like... You know, I came to Star Trek through Next Generation and the original crew movies. I didn't really see the original series much, if at all, before I started watching the movies. So, you know, the characters as they appear in the in the movies were how I was introduced to the characters from the original series. Oh, yeah. So, and that didn't, you know, I mean, obviously that's meant to be nostalgic for the people who love the original series. Yeah, but- no, but it's on a, it's on a smaller scale. Like when, when you're talking about the original series films mm-hmm. or the old scientist films, <laughs> um, they're like, and, and you're looking at what do I got to, if you, for some reason you're thinking, what do I got to watch before this to get into this? All you've got are three seasons of, of TOS, right? But now yeah. if you look at this and someone thinks, okay, this Janeway character 
was in Voyager and before Voyager they had Deep Space Nine and TNG and TOS and oh there was an animated series does yeah. that relate to this animated series and I don't know I feel like it's just starting to make it a little too we need some fresh blood you know I like the new people on Discovery the new people in Lower Decks I love Janeway I, I absolutely love Janeway I'm just um, I'm and I, I really am looking forward to seeing more of her character because yeah. she she's a fascinating character. And I I saw something about like when Voyager came out, mm-hmm. she had to be perfect, right? To, because of you know all the expected criticism that was going to come her way, and now right. she gets to be more fully flawed and fleshed out and uh, fuller. Not that she didn't do an amazing job with what she had. To create a full character, but she's going to be better now. Well, so I guess, I, I'm excited to see more Janeway. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. That it's not as though these characters are inaccessible if you didn't know them before. And I think that when you bring back a legacy character, there's two things. One is it, it it does have that nostalgia factor for the characters who know people who know who these characters are. And then two, for those who don't, it introduces them to the character and they say, oh, that's interesting. And they might go back and watch what else that character's been in. Okay. Um, but if you, if you write it, if you do it right, right. You know, then do you don't know, have to have a lot of insider knowledge. To do we know who's it. behind the, um, the prodigy? Is that Kurtzman or McMahon? Uh, I, Kurtzman is involved in all Star Trek. To one degree or another, at this point, he is. Really? Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's the Rick Berman. He's the. I didn't I didn't realize know. he had anything to do with uh, Lower Decks. Yeah, he's well, he's like an executive producer, but I mean, in the same way, it's but he's not like really closely involved in that series, from what I can tell. Right, he's more closely involved in Discovery. Sure. Um, and in Picard, but uh, you know. Even at that, I think he's more involved in, in Discovery than he is in Picard, as far as I can see. But then I, there's so much I don't know about the way Star Trek works right now. But he mm-hmm. is the Rick Berman. So if it's Star Trek right now, it's okay. it's because Alex Kurtzman is is okaying it or or greenlighting whatever it is. Not greenlighting it, but but Alex Kurtzman is is you know making sure it happens. You know, okay. he's the one who plans how Star Trek goes. So in that respect, in that respect, and to that degree. Uh, Alex Kurtzman is involved in um, uh, in uh, uh, what's this? What's the thing called? Prodigy. I'm Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's so much Star nice. Trek. I can't remember all the names anymore. Nice. Uh, yeah, but Prodigy is is kind of like kind of in the vein of Lower Decks. I feel like its its creators have their own vision for it, and they're doing their mm-hmm. thing. And that's really what Kurtzman wants to do. Um, and I like that. And we'll talk about that a little more uh, as we talk about seasons one and two of Discovery because I'm going to start getting okay. stuff if we lay on that. Sure. So anyway. Okay. Um, but right. yeah. Um, Good. But cool. that's the Star Trek news. Oh, I do have one bit of Star Trek news, though, about Doug Jones. Oh. And you know what it is, you know what this I, I, is I, too. I, I do know what this Ladies, is. No, I want to impress everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, last week we had an episode on Saru. And I tweeted, and when I was when I was doing, it was late at night, and I was scheduling all my tweets and all my Facebook posts and everything for the episode, like I do, because I love you people, and I wanted to make sure that you you get this these episodes every week. So I work hard at this stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I was um, I was doing that, and I just thought I'm just gonna 
tagged Doug Jones in this in this tweet. And I said, I wonder what at Doug Jones actor would, would think about this. And he liked my tweet. <laughs> Doug Jones liked my tweet. Nice. Now, I don't know if he went and listened to the episode. He certainly didn't. You know, he didn't DM me. We're not best buds right now. I mean, that's around the corner. But I mean, you know, sure, not yet. Sure. Yeah. Right. You take it a step at a time. But uh, yeah, he liked my tweet. Then I thanked him for liking the tweet, and he liked that tweet. I have now been liked <laughs> twice by Doug Jones, and oh, I, that's I brilliant! Just, I can't contain myself. That's it's, brilliant. It's beautiful. No. It makes me so happy. <laughs> that's <you> awesome. <laughs> Very good. All right. So um, I did want to make. I did want to mention a couple of things before we go on that are sure. not exactly news, but they're sort of like things. Number one is you know last week we talked about um, we talked about therapy. And mental health. I mean, that had come up in, in uh, Lower Decks. And by the way, those of you who communicate with me during the week, thank you so much for getting in touch about that episode. Um, and we'll, we, we'll probably do more about mental health in, in Star Trek and mental health in general. But I did not know that last week was Mental Health Week. Ah, like the week, the week starting the week starting with our episode was Mental Health Week. And I wonder if huh. if it was, uh, you know, planned. Uh, with lower decks to have that as as a topic for their episode, but um, but it was Mental Health Week last week, so that's pretty cool. Very cool. And um, and you know, but don't wait for Mental Health Week to think about your mental health because it's important. Um, also, the other thing that a lot of you have been talking to me about uh, during the week is the where we talked about disability in Star Trek, and I think we can go even further with that theme some at some point too. If you guys want to hear an episode where we talk about that, um, as, as yeah. You know, There's that TNG episode with Worf where he gets the yeah the yeah. Injury. There's all kinds. You know, there. you know what a friend of mine said, and another friend mentioned the same thing. Like that when they were when they were listening to the thing about uh, disabilities, they wanted to scream at the podcast, Jordy. Oh my! Oh <laughs> yeah! Like you were even talking about glasses and seeing. Yeah, you know, well like, that's oh, and man. and that's what my wife was saying. We talked about yeah. it briefly, and she mentioned you know. There, there are different levels of disabilities. Like yeah. everybody with a pair of eyeglasses has the disability. It's just that right. society has accepted that and accommodated it. Yeah, no, I said that. Maybe she said it too. I don't know. But... Oh, yeah, she said it too. I don't listen to you. Uh, she said oh, okay, it all right. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, between the two of us, you should listen to her. Um, but uh, yeah, so but, but I said. think that's interesting because there's a certain degree to which we don't think about Jordy's disability. I, just, mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Um, just that his, his disability is accommodated. Even though we talk about it, we still, I mean, it slipped my mind. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, also um, just a little bit of Star Trek news that nobody else is going to care about. But um, in, a, in a, I think it was a New York Times crossword puzzle sometime in the past week or so. One of the clues was villainous title in science fiction. And I don't know what the answer was, but I started thinking like a Star Trek nerd. And one of the things I actually tried was Admiral is a villainous title like in star trek admiral because there's always the bad admiral there's always the admiral who's villainous see this is why i need a soundboard so i can play the cricket <laughs> shape. let's move on shall we <laughs> <laughs> oh boy man i've been holding on to that for a week <laughs> oh maybe that's why it was so stale <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Oh wow. Speaking of stale, we got we got specific specific compliments on your uh Saru fart joke last week. So congratulations. 
Maybe that's why that. he likes the episode, or maybe that's why he didn't respond. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> yeah, you turned Doug, Doug Jones off. Thanks a lot. Uh, uh, so what did you think of Lower Decks this week, huh? Uh, you know, they've had better. Are you serious? No, I'm of course oh my I'm not gosh. serious. That, no, that was a great episode. I actually I had to stop it and rewind it and watch that scene again. Which thing? The, well, you know which scene. Oh, with, 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 with Will. With the Titan, yes. Yeah, the Titan. Titan showing was... up. And the great thing is, I don't think we've ever seen the Titan before, so it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was cool. It's a good-looking ship. Yeah, it was a good-looking ship, yeah. I can't wait to see um, that in Star Trek Online, if it's not already. Ooh, hey. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That'd be cool. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it was awesome. It was awesome, of course, to to hear um, to hear uh, Jonathan Brakes and... Uh, um, and Marina, Marina Sirtis, Sirtis. yes both there yeah Boy, yeah I that could, was i could not get past will indiana i could not get to the actor names um there for a moment but yeah it was that was great that was fantastic um and i had actually read that they were showing up in this episode yeah. and i completely forgotten so it was oh well, that's nice yeah it was wonderful um what'd you was... think about the the death of the bajoran security officer though uh you know i think i wonder if it was a nod to skin of evil Killing no, off the good call. Security chief, security officer. Except he actually died for something. Um, yeah, although I don't true. know that he had to. He was like, I guess uh, maybe that maybe the shuttlecraft couldn't get out under its own power. Yeah, that's that was the impression I got. He had to yeah. push it out of the. But then he pulled. But then he pulled Rutherford's cybernetic implant off. Which yeah, I mean, because was it was like virusy and right, right. About to blow him up. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess his implant would have blown up too. Yeah, that's true. Oh wow, because Badgie was in it. Man, Badgie's evil. Badgie's nasty. Badgie is awful. Badgie is bad. Badgie's going to be an and Badgie's going to end up being the overarching villain of the entire series. (laughs) He's going to turn out to be Q. I bet you he's no no. Badgie is what causes the burn in uh, Discovery causes the oh right 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 exactly there you go perfect <laughs> oh man yep yep um yeah so yeah i mean it was a good episode i enjoyed it i don't know um uh you know i it's it, it's funny because um i i didn't expect the ending with boimler with boimler accepting transferring a promotion yeah titan i didn't expect that at all and that's that kind of cool. like was it cool yeah i liked it just because it means we're going to get more time on the titan i guess so all right so you're just being selfish about it so that's cool yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely yeah. yeah that that fits um <laughs> fits your mo um yeah well, i mean you know a lot of times you'll enjoy things in tvs and movies just because it gives you more of what you want whether it's you know whether it's anything i think is good for the story or not but you know all right but anyway um which is okay i mean that's totally fine i i want more i want more on the titan too i mean that's that's the thing i was kind of excited about that but at the same time i felt like man i don't know if i man he actually did that sheesh that was harsh i don't know i felt harsh toward uh toward mariner so well maybe it wasn't intentional like you know he said he applies for everything and never gets them 
Yeah, that's true. And then, but... so maybe this was just a complete surprise. Maybe Riker did it because he thought he was helping uh, Mariner out. Well, I can believe all of that, but like his whole thing was he didn't want Mariner to get a promotion because he he applied but didn't think he would get it. But then he he didn't he didn't want Mariner to get it. Right, right. Because he didn't want to lose her. But then when it's his promotion, he doesn't mind losing her. I don't know. It's like that's kind of cold. Well, he has a character flaw. I guess so. I don't know. Not my track. Oh my gosh. Are you trying to are you trying to segue us already? No, no, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Shots fired. Shots torpedoes fired. fired. Yeah, torpedoes. Oh man. Tasers um, on yeah. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I, I loved that they, they brought in the uh the theme. I think it's first contact that they brought in when the when the uh um uh the Titan, the, the Titan was showed up. I think that was the first contact music. You, you mean the other enterprise? the other enterprise right <laughs> right but no i mean it's it's because they did the um they did the theme right but then mm-hmm. there's this ending like that ending is from i think i think it's first contact um, i think it might be insurrection is it insurrection it I might no be insurrection idea. it's either first contact or insurrection i'm pretty sure um i know it's a goldsmith score but anyway, I listen to those so much that I forget which is which because I'm writing while I'm listening. So, <laughs> but anyway, but yeah. Um, so um, I don't know if we have do we have anything interesting to say about this episode though. Um. So I was, you know, like I walked away from the end of the episode really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I think I enjoyed this episode more than any other episode. But it occurs to me this doesn't feel very. Like it's 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 really doing a good job of starting to earn the first two letters in the title. I'm not so sure it's it's earning its keep with the last two. Well, and there's a balance, and I think that's okay. I think it's okay that some episodes are more Star Trek episodes and more episodes, some episodes. You know, like on a normal series, right? Um, like a Deep Space Nine. You know, you'd have these intense episodes about the Dominion War or whatever. And sure. then you'd have like looking for Parmok in all the wrong places or <laughs> uh, Prophet and Lace or something like that, you know, and uh-huh. it would be um, it would be this goofball episode. And um, yeah, no, it just feels like these guys are. They're on the bridge too much. They're too important to the success of the ship. And that's not what I expect out of Lower Decks. I see what you're saying. I see. You're not talking about the funny part necessarily. Because that's no, what I was thinking. No. Like, it's okay for them. Like other series, it's okay to occasionally have a funny episode. For these guys, it's okay to yeah, occasionally have no, a that, pretty serious episode. That's, that's fine. I, yeah. I have no problem with the, the altering tone. I just, I don't feel like they're being very Lower Decky. Lower decky. Wow, we both said Lower Decky at the same time. <laughs> Get out of my head. <laughs> yeah, no, I you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's you know, I mean we had Mariner on the captain's chair today. Yeah. So yeah, you're not wrong about that. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. No, but anyway, I, I still enjoy it. Yeah, me too. It's it's good. It's a lot of fun. Um when <laughs> uh Ransom was asking Troy if she could hook him up with someone. Oh, right. Because <laughs> I can make that work for me. <laughs> right. Yeah, Ransom was great. Uh, and Peanut Hamper. Peanut Hamper. <laughs> I was excited to see Peanut Hamper, but I was I a little disappointed that. in her uh, her character art. Attitude. She was awful. 
that was bad. I was like, I love peanut hamper. Why but you know, awful? when you think about it, that was exactly the sort of thing they asked of her that the exocomps were being asked asked to do in that first episode. Exactly. Right? In, in quality of life. Like that was yeah. the whole thing. And, and the, you know, let's ask the episode because that's the, that's the bargain that, that Data and Riker strike in that episode. You know, is like Riker's like, okay, look, I won't force the exocomps to do this, but what if we can ask them? Will you will you release the transporter lockout if they agree to do this? And he's like, yes. So then they go and do it, and um, and so you know, I, there was there was every possibility that they could say no, and it's kind of like, what if they did say no? <laughs> and uh, and so that was yeah, that was pretty. Um, so that was interesting. That was interesting. What if, what if an exocomp blew you off? Would you still like them so much? You know, it's like, but that's, you know, we think of like, oh, well, they're a new life form and all that. And we, we glory at the new life form. But mm-hmm. what if the new life form turns out to kind of be a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you, like you. Right. Exactly. But you're not a villain, just a jerk. <laughs> you know? It's one thing when the new life form comes at us and wants to kill us. It's another yeah. thing when the life, when the new life form is like, hi, I'm wonderful. And, and I want to be your friend. And then like, too bad so sad go tell your granddad and flies off um so yeah that was interesting um so, so yeah go ahead no what? go ahead <laughs> so this uh, so this episode of lower decks also calls back to the return of the archons which yes. if you have read my book i use as kind of the archetype for how the original series deals with religion and so it's a very <laughs> near and dear episode to me um and uh but they they go back to the planet and the people beta three and the people have re-embraced landru the computer who was ruling them as their god right what did, you, what did you think of that um you know at the time i just thought it was a uh, a clever funny nod oh haha another yeah. fan service nostalgia joke but um i mean thinking about it now mm-hmm. it's it is something that you have to be aware of in religion uh, of like Sure, you may move past a, a, a false idol or a, a false leader, but you still got to be vigilant because it kind of, they, they cycle through, you know, they come mm-hmm. and they go. It, it is something you have to be wary of. It is something you have to be vigilant of. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy to fall back into an old pattern or an old habit. Right. And it's not, I mean, it, it works not just on the religious level, but it does work on the religious level. It works on so many levels where, we can buy into something and we have to move away from it. And I think it's just interesting, just the idea that they're introducing mm-hmm. here that, you know, we could change things on a planet and then go back and find that things have changed back mm-hmm. and that that's possible. It's a thing that happens because people are creatures of habit. And, you know, this one momentous event that occurs in the history of a planet, you know, something else might change later on down the line. And he I, was I really convincing. He was really convincing, right? <laughs> I found that fascinating. I thought it was really cool. Um, just, a, just a nice little first, like you said, nod to the, the series, but mm-hmm. also, also the, um, the, the of all the uh, contraband equipment that that Mariner gets out. Yes, I. Oh, uh, I know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. I know that I want some Starfleet crayons. Oh yeah, there you go. That's what Absolutely. I want. All right, so. Um, but the, the helmet, did you see the helmet with the big red I light did. on it? I did, yes. <laughs> I got a big chuckle out of that. That was awesome. That no, was awesome. That was, that was clever. For those who don't know, it's just a little throwback to a 1960s toy that was made into a Star Trek toy that wasn't originally a Star Trek toy. 
and it's it's legendary because it, it is now big, canon red light on it it's now canon <laughs> that's awesome so now it is a star trek toy it's great it really i love, I love it, that it half of that um i love that half of that contraband came from Riker. yes that was great that was great so yeah it was it was but it was great to see the callback to the return of the archons and i do think like a lot of things in 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 uh, lower decks it was a joke but it still actually is an interesting idea and i'd love to see more of that explored well i mean we saw it with khan the space seed and Star Trek right. two yeah you know and see what a great story was mine then so we should maybe do it more and yeah and the pack lids the pack lids where... same kind of thing yeah exactly where we just kind of moved on well, and of course, that was part of there was a thematic element of the episode. We just kind of moved on, but yeah, if the Paglets continue uh, on their logical progression, that's kind of a good idea of where they would end up. So I think mm-hmm. it was really cool. Yeah, very good. I remember watching Deep Space Nine and seeing a Paglet hanging out on the promenade, and I was like, "What is that dude doing there? Why? Why are there Paglets on the promenade? They do not need to be here. <laughs> They're too dangerous." <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the episode. It was good. Um, I, I it makes me want a season two for sure. I'm interested. I want to see what happens. I was I was wondering the whole episode, like once once the um, the Cerritos started getting wrecked. I was wondering if they were like, because I, I I knew that that Boimler was going to transfer off, and then um, really? yeah, I I had just read that. I had oh, read a spoiler about that. Okay, um, and and uh, so when. Um, Mariner starts is applying for what was the the ship she was applying for? The ship. I don't in the recall. beginning, she the transfer, the promotion. Yeah, the ship. I don't remember the name. Sorry. I thought it was okay. When she was applying for that ship, I was starting to think, I wonder if they're gonna like split them up and then just do a new thing every season. I mean, yeah. Ooh. But know. then they kind of brought them all back together at the end yeah, there and yeah. sent Boimler off and set him up in a way that he's clearly going to have a comeuppance and a moment of hubris and have to go back to the Titan or to the Cerritos. And, Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We shall. We'll see. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, that might be part of the arc of Lower Decks. Maybe it's it's watching characters grow out of the Lower Decks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right. Um, so, shall we uh, shall we get into our our main yeah, story let's, here? Let's let's do it. So the main story tonight is a little bit um, this episode, I should say. Who knows when you're listening to this? Um, <laughs> the main story <laughs> is a little bit open because we just really felt like we wanted to dive into um, you know things that things that were kind of left hanging. It's, there's so much in seasons one and two of of Discovery. And there's so much we haven't gotten to because we've we've spent time on what we spent time on just based on what was interesting to us. But there's so much. I mean, characters and stories and all thing, all all that kind of thing. But the thing you were you were sort of teasing earlier was the not my was not my trek. So yeah, yeah so 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 mention mention not my trek. Not my track. I, I don't know if it's a hashtag or a popular phrase or whatever. I just know that there's a lot of people that don't like the the tone and the color of it and the uh, you know the characters and the there's a lot of people feel like it's not a good representation of Star Trek. And right. I feel like a lot of those people, you know, they're entitled to their opinion, even mm-hmm. if it's wrong. Um, <laughs> 
but um, I just I feel like they haven't looked at it deeply enough. Well, I I you know I can definitely understand um, people being put off by the series. You know, I mean, I was one of them. For, yeah. for a while I, I yeah I watched the first three or four episodes and I'm like no not my trek mm-hmm. yeah but you know but I, I agree with you that that there's you know there's more to me there's more to it and I and this is the thing that I was going to talk about about Kurtzman earlier that you know I was reading a quotation from him um, which I had read before but which I thought was interesting and he's like I think you know that he I'm paraphrasing a little bit but he says, I kind of think of Star Trek like a crayon box. There's all kinds of different colors of crayons in the box, but they're all in the same box, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, that's, that's really cool. And I've, and I've talked with friends too, who were like, you know, and, and he mentioned, he mentioned something about this too. He's like, some people might like some, some series, some people might like only one, some people might mm-hmm. like all of them, but they can take or take or leave whatever they want. And I think that's, I think that's a lot better way to look at it and to think about it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because people, I think fans have tended to think of Star Trek as a monolith, you know? And so when something new, because generally it has been, there's one series on the air, you know, and then there's another series on the air, you know, and the, the, the mm-hmm. closest we got to anything like this was when we had, uh, you know, Deep Space Nine and Voyager at the same time. Um, but, but, uh, you know, we, we tend to think, okay, well, this is the new Star Trek, and so Star Trek is going in this direction, and Star Trek is going to be this. So people mm-hmm. get upset about the Kelvin timeline or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what Kurtzman is saying is what he's trying to do is, is diversify it in such a way that there's, there's different kinds of Star Trek going in different directions and doing different things and that are going to appeal to different people. And it's okay if one Star Trek doesn't appeal to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... The, and, and in a certain sense... That is not your track. Right. You know, like, okay, sure. so this isn't your track. So go find a track. The idea behind that, not my track. I, I like yeah, no. this. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go, go for it. Go ahead. I, I liken this to um, like, if it's not mine, then it's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not my track, if it's not what I want to see in Star Trek then it's bad Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it though, is they're coming at it from the angle of they don't feel like it's, philosophically track you know right uh, like just good the, the, they're they're looking at the the quote-unquote grim dark yeah. nature of discovery and and how it's not everybody is happy hunky-dory with each other and saying that they've left it's left the philosophy of star trek behind um, I keep going back to this conversation I had with a coworker where he, he said Star Trek is supposed to be about humanity has bettered themselves and how do we handle when we encounter other species, other civilizations that haven't attained our level of enlightenment yet. Right. But what, but what Star Trek has been saying, I think, progressively particularly after the death of Gene Roddenberry, but even before then, um, and even in the original series at times, um, it's, and particularly with Deep Space Nine, is that we can have the most perfect society, right? But humanity is still humanity. Mm -hmm. 
and humanity is still broken and still flawed. Even even in like Return of the Archons, when when uh, uh, Kirk is talking to the lieutenant down on the planet, you know, and he's saying, "Well, a couple of fights have broken out, you know, <laughs> and there's some you know unrest or whatever." And he's like, "You know, it's it's not pretty, but it's human, you know." Mm-hmm. And and even then, there was that idea that uh, and and like a, like a, a, a Cisco says in uh, I think it's Way of the Warrior. Um, but he says, you know, the problem was the problem with Starfleet is Earth. You know, they've been on Earth so long and everything's perfect over there. They, they look out the window and it's paradise. And it's hard to remember that it's not paradise everywhere. But there's mm-hmm. but there's something also about Deep Space Nine that says that there's uh, there's something we carry with us right in in the human heart. Mm-hmm. We can have the most perfect society, but human human hearts can still be corrupted. Human right. hearts can still be. And, and I think the the arrogance of uh, the idea that like, you know, we've we've evolved and we're elevated, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that's I mean, that's undercut even in first contact. You know, when Lily is is getting angry with, with Jean-Luc um, when when she's when he's talking about, you know, oh, my, you know, in, in my century, we've evolved beyond the, the need for revenge, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, so Star Trek has, has been saying that and continues to say that, that. And I and I've and I've said before too that I feel like if the, if we can go to really dark places and and really bad stuff can happen and and things can get murky mm-hmm. and hard to sort out you know where where are that's part of the disorientation I guess that goes on in in discovery when we don't have a trustworthy captain you know we don't have mm-hmm. we don't know who where to look for for guidance we don't know where to look for for um, for truth and for hope but we still find hope. You know, at the end of mm-hmm. it, we still find hope and we still find goodness and we still find those things that matter to us and that we're there for. And, and, and Bur- uh, Burnham can give that speech about what Star Trek is. And and it's still true, even after everything, particularly after everything we've been through and the fact that we've been able to push through it. And that's a hopeful story. So I just think um, I just think people maybe wanting things to be a little too simplistic. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I think, um, I think Star Trek more than just trying to portray a, a, a more hopeful version of our society of humanity is also about pointing a lens or a microscope back at where we are during that iteration. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. look at a lot of the, the, the morality stuff in TOS, it's, mm-hmm. you know, different you know, you've got Chekhov and and Sulu representing these different national uh, divisions are no more. You've got, mm-hmm. they encounter the race of the half black, half white, and the half white, half black people. And they're like, what is, what's going on here? Right. You know, right. And, and then TNG gets into different issues and Deep Space Nine. And then now up in Discovery, we're looking at, you know, we're in this time period where everything is so dark and frustrating and, and, just disorienting and scary and we're like looking back at all of our people who we thought were our heroes and we're like oh wow this guy was a slaveholder and this guy was like a genocidal maniac and right so (laughs) it's it's reflecting discovery is like it does still have that hope in there that Mm -hmm. because i don't burnham wouldn't have wouldn't have kept going if she didn't have that hope I don't yeah. think I don't think once right. Battle of the Binary Stars happened and you could see she she lost it for a little bit, but she it was rekindled. So there is hope there. And right. I think that 
it's this iteration of Star Trek is just showing us what it's like when we realize that, you know, the, the shoulders we've been standing on this whole time weren't all shining beacons of, of, of virtue. You know, they weren't yeah. paragons of virtue. But yeah, at the same just... time, you still have people like Pike, who um, I loved. And I, I don't know if she was saying it just to placate him, but when the Admiral told him that they kept him away from all of the fighting, mm -hmm. because if the Federation was defeated, they needed someone like him yeah. still alive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and, and Pike, Pike is that, you know, Pike is that captain you can trust. You know, that trustworthy captain that we did not have for all of the first season, right? Right. And and I think having that gave us such hope that, again, that people, okay, so people like this still do still exist in the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And and perhaps we can look at somebody like that and know even more that they're trustworthy because we know that it's possible for people with that rank, you know, to be untrustworthy, like that bad mm -hmm. joke, apparently bad joke. I make it at the top of the episode <laughs> <laughs> about Admiral being the title of a villain. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's a good thing. That's a beautiful, thing. it's good to have both in a series, you know, it's good to have. And, and like you say, yeah, Star Trek always addresses the time in which it's made. And we do live in very disorienting times. We live in very, um, in times where things we used to be able to trust and crumble from beneath our feet. And it's hard to find our bearings. You know, I mean, even if, even if your, uh, your bearing is, is Jesus, right. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, the Christian culture in our country is so marred and fractured and broken and, and mired in, in, uh, political, uh, gamesmanship. And, and there's so much corruption and greed and, and, and abuse. And, oh, man, it's just revolting to look around uh, a lot of the, of the, the huh, air quotes, Christian world today, you mm -hmm. know, the church world today. And, um, you know, one of the things that has, that has grown my faith um, was, you know, I mean, I, I, I was just thinking yesterday, actually. You know, I grew up in 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 uh, Southern Baptist world, an evangelical subculture, firmly entrenched in evangelical subculture, and at a certain point, about twenty odd years ago, um, I started walking away from it. I started moving away from from that culture, from the church that I was a part of most of my life, and um, you know, I quit my job at the at the bookstore and 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 all that kind of stuff, and having to reorient myself um and 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 to and to find find a grounding for my faith that wasn't in these institutions that i was starting to distrust and this this system of sort of religious governance that i was starting to distrust and and um and and all of that that has grown my faith and helped me own my faith Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like I have my faith and I own my faith the way I did because of the evangelical subculture in which I grew up. So it was this weird transition mm -hmm. where the thing that rooted me then becomes something I need to leave behind in order to find my roots again, not in the evangelical subculture, but in Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so it's, it's like what we're saying um, with not my track, it, it just reminds me of 
uh, this paper I went to here in college um, at my Christian university that I went to. Um, but uh, this paper that I, that I went to here, and it was on the Passion of the Christ when it was new. Mm. And uh, this guy was talking about the film. And he said, you know, the thought that I carried, you know, when I was watching this in the movie was, that's not my Jesus. And the implication in what he was saying of that's not my Jesus was basically, that's not the real Jesus. That's not the true Jesus, because my Jesus is the real Jesus. And, you know, that's one of the things in my studies of Jesus films and looking at all these different ways that Jesus is portrayed and all these different ways that people try to understand Jesus from all these different angles um, it helps me to, to realize that we all have different perspectives and that that's a good thing, you know, mm-hmm. and that I, I shouldn't cling too much to, you know, my Jesus as the Jesus, you know, <laughs> I mm-hmm. think there are essential things that we can say about who, who Jesus is. Right. Um, right. But then there's, there's also a lot of variance for how we understand that and, and how different explorations and different depictions can help us to think more clearly and more deeply about who Jesus is. And, you know, and it's the same kind of thing that we're going through in Star Trek. I, I just see that, I see that happening. That, yeah, maybe this particular Trek is not your Trek, but it's, it is still Trek. It is mm-hmm. still Star Trek, and it's good. And it's good to stretch. <laughs> and even if you end up not liking the series, like I was saying last week, the characters are, are a gift. So, I think. Um, I agree. But yeah. Uh, what else? What else were we talking about? Um, possibly covering about seasons one and two. We did talk about Pike there a little bit, which is good. Yeah, touched on Pike, um, which I I like. Um, the other thing that you had uh, mentioned is the concept of unity, and this is something that had come up uh, in some things that I've been that I've been working on. But why don't you tell me what you had in mind regarding the concept of unity? Um, I, I'm not really sure. It's just, it was something that while I was uh, watching the sermon this morning online, it, um, it kind of struck me as he was talking about, uh, and it was a passage from Romans. I can't remember the, the mm. chapter and verse or anything. Um, but he, he was talking about, you know, Christ calling us that he was, he was talking about the divisions that, are um that that are that are so prevalent right now mm-hmm. to to fall into those is to conform to the world mm-hmm. uh which is what we're called to not do mm-hmm. um and it just it, it made me think of um some of the stuff that uh burnham and pike kind of uh they go on about in some of their their speeches towards the end of the seasons about this is what we do this is starfleet we're we're all in this together we're a family we're essentially they're unified and i i like i said i don't have much specifics i'm not mm-hmm. quite as deep into things as, as you are i um, but it just the the connection there kind of struck me struck a chord with me and i thought it might be something worth diving into yeah well and i think it's a good connection and it's and it's something that's important in star trek that if we don't get this right you know i think i think i mentioned it last week or or previous week that people had talked about homogeneity right Mm -hmm. in uh well and i've talked i've talked several times about the monoculture on different alien planets where the whole planet all dresses the same and Mm -hmm. has the same religion and, and and all that sort of thing um but then also uh the idea that 
um, you know, that that the difference is not accommodated in the Starfleet or in or in the Federation. Like, and if that's the case, that that's that's a that's a, a homogeneity that that works against Star Trek ideals, and that's really true. And anytime we see that, anytime we get a whiff of that, I think that things are going in the wrong direction um, because you know we really do have unity and diversity. I mean, think about think about the the crew of the Discovery, mm-hmm. right? Especially as it comes to us in the first season, you have uh, a captain who's who's yeah who's human, and uh, you know and a white guy, but who is not what we usually see from a captain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know you have you have Burnham who's kind of this weird outsider person too, but then you have you know you have Tilly who's such a nerd, and uh, <laughs> and you have Saru who's who's one of the most alien looking alien acting aliens that we've had in star trek mm-hmm. you know yeah and you have a couple of people with cybernetic implants you have one person who is basically mostly cybernetic implants and you know just a lot of difference a lot of variety um different races different genders different different things you know mm-hmm. you know it's it's one of the more it may be the most i don't know depends on how you how you define diversity right but it's one sure. of the more diverse casts in, in Star Trek. It's certainly, certainly pushing for that. And I think that's so great because, um, because the best unity, and, and, and I was reading stuff from C.S. Lewis about this too, um, that the best unity is not in everybody all being the same. Right. You know? uh, it's, it, Star Trek focuses much on the growth of the individual at its best, as much on, its, on the growth of the individual as the growth in the journey of the group. And they work together. The individual journeys and the group journeys work together. And you know, and it it maybe your pastor may have been talking about First Corinthians twelve. I don't know. Um, no, it, it was from Romans. The, it was from Romans. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, I was thinking about uh, the the body, you know, one body in Christ. Um, Paul talking about the body and saying that, you know, you're each members right of the body, mm-hmm. but you're different. The body can't be a right, single right. eye. Well, maybe, maybe it was Corinthians then. That might have sworn it was Romans. Well, well, he does talk about he does talk about it in Romans too. Looks like in Romans yeah. twelve five. Yeah, because I know this stuff <laughs> off the top of my head. No, I looked it up. Um, <laughs> There's Romans, that evangelical upbringing. Oh yeah, let me tell you, it's it's yeah, it's the internet age is what it is. But <laughs> um, just as just as one body uh, has, we have many members, and not all the members serve the same function. So we who are mm-hmm. many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members who belong to one another, and we have different right. gifts according to the grace given to us. You know, so um, that's in for those who are looking. Romans twelve. Uh, gosh, we never talk about like specific verses yeah. <laughs> on this show, um, but it's in Romans twelve, uh, starting with verse four ish. But mm-hmm. why not start at the beginning? Read the stuff in context because you know. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. But but context yeah. is for kings. Yeah, 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 right. Ooh, nice reference. Very good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I think different people being themselves, being mm-hmm. their different people, but working together toward the same goal. I think that's true unity. That's good unity. That's healthy unity. Um, mm-hmm. As as opposed to the homogeneity again right. in Return of the Archons. 
Star Wars does this too, you know, like yes. you've got the desert planet Tatooine and yes. uh, the forest moon of Endor. Right. And what this is, I think, is it's more of a storytelling technique. It's yes. like a fantasy setting, but expanded. Instead of mm -hmm. the desert of mystery, now you have the desert planet of mystery because yes. you're traveling through the stars. So I don't know if it's an, an intentional effort to try and homogenize stuff so much as it is just that fantasy setting making use of different sets but on a grander scale yes i mean that's absolutely what it is and it, it serves a story function it's so we can narrow our focus down to a particular type of person or a particular type right. of society or attitude or whatever right yes absolutely but when we have these long relationships with cultures like the klingons or the bajorans or whatever sure. right you know, we want to start seeing some diversity. And, and I think Deep Space Nine has done that to a, to a certain degree, too, mm -hmm. um, more than more than any other series, for sure. But I, I just think, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but it is a thing that happens. And um, it's kind of part of the way the stories are told. But yeah, no, you're right. You're, you're not you're not wrong at all. I mean, that's that's definitely how it functions. So Ed, there was something else I, I read kind of along the same topic. Um and it's played out in like in in undiscovered country and mm -hmm. in the first season of discovery these uh the klingons fear that the federation is making everybody like them yes and from the outside they don't understand the um the inside they don't understand they don't see these different parts maintaining their individualism but still working for the greater whole like uh, in Star Trek Six, as Azitver says, when they're at the table, she says that the Federation is just a Homo Sapiens only club, and uh, and Chekhov says, you know, we believe that you know everyone has inalienable human rights, and she says, inalien human rights. If you could just hear yourself talking, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. just like yeah, and and I I think they're not wrong to fear that, you know, in a lot of respects, they're they're not wrong to fear that because it's a real danger. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a real danger, even just in Starfleet and in, I mean, and in the Federation as it is. Um, and that's another thing I really like about the vision of the Federation. Uh, this is getting way off topic, but the vision of the Federation <laughs> that is um, the. Uh, um, oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Uh, maybe I shouldn't talk about it, but the, the sphere in Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I can't think of the Yorktown. Oh, Yorktown. Right, right. Yeah. You know, uh, there's so much diversity in that. They put 50 mm -hmm. different alien species in that. Yeah. In that one scene that's so short. It's just beautiful. Um, well, no, I, I, and I think, I don't think this is far off topic. This, this whole topic of the Federation, I think what the Federation means, what Starfleet means, I think is, is the central theme to discovery, uh, especially mm. looking at some of the, the trailers for the third season. Mm -hmm. I think Starfleet is what discovery is going to be about gotcha. in, in the end we'll look back at discovery and yes oh i think you're onto something there i think you're bang on and it's and it's all in that speech that burnham gives right mm -hmm. it's all in that speech about you know this is starfleet we are starfleet you know right and and talking about when everybody's getting the medals and everything you know what is that the end of season two i think yes oh my yeah, gosh yeah. that was beautiful gosh it was so beautiful and and of course, and, the, and then again, you're just like, and this is why we love Michael. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> because she you has know, the I, center. I wonder, 
I, I want, I want, I kind of want to, ch- I, you know, I hate confrontation. I, I avoid it like the plague, but I yeah, kind of want to challenge anyone who feels like discovery is not Star Trek yeah. to watch that ending speech from Burnham. Have as she talks right. about what's what Starfleet is. I, yeah. and, and I challenge them to watch that and to tell me that they still don't think it's, it's Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. If you're if you're a Trekkie, you can't watch that without a, without a tear coming to your eye. I mean, it's as opposed to in Star Trek Into Darkness, where they try to give us a tearjerker by turning the opening words of uh, of the original series into the captain's oath, and uh, instead just completely turning us off because everybody should know that there's nothing in that that's even remotely an oath. I'm not bitter about Into Darkness, right? I'm not, but. Um, but <laughs> but alternatively, you have um, Burnham's speech there at the end of Star Trek, at the end of season mm-hmm. two. So great. So great. And the stuff with Giorgio and the telescope and, and Saru oh my uh, gosh. in the yes. first season. I mean, I, it's just, you know, it, you may be like kind of going through the desert sometimes waiting for those great Star Trek moments in Discovery. But mm-hmm. it makes them all the more sweet because they feel earned. They feel real because they right. stand up and they're genuine against something that's been very, very difficult. And I love that. I absolutely love it. Um, I do too. Yeah, it's great. And there, and there again, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I've, I've said before on the podcast that like when Star Trek gets too violent, um, when it gets too sexy and when it swears too much, people get upset. Mm-hmm. And particularly Christians get upset about that stuff mm-hmm. because there are things that make people uncomfortable. And I, and I always say, because I know a lot of Christians particularly are very sensitive about mm-hmm. content, right? They're very, right. they're very sensitive about the kinds of things that they watch. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I've told the story about selling a thing at the, at the bookstore called the TV guardian, um, <laughs> which would, which would, you know, bleep out the objectionable words and then put another word on the screen mm-hmm. um, to, to, you know, uh, to filter the stuff for you. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, you know, if you, if you want to watch the Wolf of Wall Street, but without all the sex and drugs and, and, and violence and, and foul language, you don't mm-hmm. want to watch the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, <laughs> go find another movie, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't ask for that to be edited to, to your liking. Um, just go find another movie. Um, if you want to watch The Wolf of Wall Street, you're going to see, you know, you're going to hear the most F words ever in a, in a movie. And it's a great movie. So either enjoy the great movie and not worry about the fact that it has all the F words in it or go find another movie. Um, and, 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 but, but I say that not in a dismissive way. I say that like make active choices because I know that there are people for whom certain things they don't want to hear they don't want to watch mm-hmm. you know and so i do want to be i do want to be conscious of that and i don't want to say oh you should watch this anyway even though that kind of stuff offends. right hey okay. it's okay you know if you have a conviction against watching certain things fine don't watch those things you know it's it's like the meat offered mm-hmm. to idols thing you know exactly it, it's yes. certainly not anything that's a sin for me it's certainly not anything that i have any any moral or ethical problem with at all Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be for someone else. And so I'm just going to respect that and, and move on with life and not look down on somebody because they have a different set of standards than I do. Right. They're welcome to have their standards, but then don't get mad when people make things that don't meet your standards, right? What you like to see in star Trek or whether you like, uh, it being TVMA or not or whatever, people can make whatever they want to make. 
and they're not out there to make something that that um, ple- that pleases your sensibilities. So if you don't like it, just don't watch it. <laughs> Find something exactly. else to watch, you know. Exactly. And uh, or, or 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 you know, and watch the stuff that you do like enough that people want to make more of it because they make a lot of money on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not that money is the only motivator, but. Right. Um, it does talk. It does. It does talk. That's that's very true. Yeah. You know what else is money? Oh. Time and time we have gone over. Oh, have we? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Um, and it was good. Good conversation. Did we talk about everything we wanted to talk about? Oh, I no, not even close. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, we didn't talk about Tilly. We didn't talk about uh, other. I'd list every other character. In, in well, I mean, we've had about. two seasons of Discovery and. An hour and a half total of time across all of our podcast episodes that's to true, talk about that's it. True. So, so we'll, yeah, we'll talk about these things more as we get into season. You three. know, and yeah, I'm sure at some point in season three there'll be a Tilly episode that allows us to dive more into her from the first and second seasons, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah. there's there's going to be plenty to, to to get into. I think. Yeah, we'll get there. Well, we'll get there. So, I hope everybody enjoyed listening to this one. It was a little off the wall, but we just wanted to, we just wanted to do a flyover of season one and two before we just, got into season three. Just to, can't stop talking about how much I love Discovery. I'm just I'm so excited, more so because I of the conversion that I've had with it. You mm, know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just all the sweeter. Yeah, having come around to it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, gosh, that's that's true of a lot of things, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to ping too hard on the word conversion, but I mean that's true. You know, I mean, I was, I've, I've, I've just been reading, uh, which I highly recommend to our audience, a book called The Narnian. Oh, I um, thought you were going to recommend reading. I'm like, yes, no, <laughs> I do recommend Read. reading. But there's a book called The Narnian, and if it, and if it intimidates you, get the audiobook or because it's kind of big, but it's great. It's absolutely great. It's a biography of C.S. Lewis. And huh. it's really interesting to see him because he was, I mean, he described himself and he definitely was a reluctant convert um, and, and very much. Uh, um, and, and just to see how, how, and, and I identified a lot with the fervency of his faith because he had questioned it so deeply mm-hmm. because he was so much opposed to it before he, uh, <laughs> right. um, before he arrived at, arrived at logical conclusions, but then also had an emotional process and, a, mm-hmm. and, and that, that, caused him to believe that, that, you know, the story of Christ is real. And I've gone through similar kinds of processes myself and just kind of like, you know, hard, mm-hmm. hardcore questioning. So I, I think it's like, important. I keep saying, like I keep saying, if you haven't questioned your faith, it isn't yours. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you don't hold it. It holds you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not to, not to, like I said, not to dial in too hard, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Um, so, did we have a question, or were we going to talk about the new format coming up? We're going to do both. We're going to do both. Okay. So, okay. Um, so this is kind of a this is kind of a nerd question, and I love nerdy questions. But the question was about the uh, the episode "Who Mourns for Adonais?" And yes, it is Adonais, not Adonai, uh, not Adonis, not Adonais. It's Adonais, um, and it's it's Adonais, based- Adonais, Adonais, Adonais. That's good. No, it's Adonais. Which you may recognize as a as a title that people call Jesus. Um, it's it's just a, yeah. a Greek word for Lord um, Adonai, um, and so it's 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 it takes its title from from a poem, and there's a long story behind it. But it's the episode where they are on the planet with Apollo, right? And Apollo wants them to worship him, and 
they ultimately gain victory over Apollo and are released from the planet. This is uh, and uh, the original series, obviously, they uh, uh, gain victory over Apollo. They they drain his power source or whatever, and he has to leave. Right, and he goes on and he has this speech about passing on to be with the other gods who you know long ago have left Earth and and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and Kirk has this musing at the end, where he's like. You know, would it have hurt us, I wonder, to have gathered a f- only a few laurel leaves? Like, they gave us so much. Like the Greeks and, the, and their gods, and all that, they gave us so much. So much of our, his, uh, our, our history, so much of our culture is built on Greek civilization. Would it have hurt us, I wonder, to have gathered a few laurel leaves? And laurel, gathering laurel leaves being, you know, as, as an act of worship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this person's wondering about this musing at the end of this episode. Like, what do I make of that? And... Um, and they were asking, you know, what, what does that mean? Would it have hurt us to have gathered even a few laurel leaves? And I honestly don't know what to make of it. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. It, it just, it's, it's an odd little note at the end um, because it's, I think about um, this quotation from Pier Paolo Pasolini, who was an Italian film director. And he directed one of the great Jesus films called Evangelo Secondo Matteo, The Gospel According to Matthew. Um, or the gospel according to St. Matthew, as it's usually sold in English, and um, from 1964. And he said, you know, if you know I am an atheist, then you know me better than I know myself. Like he had a reputation as an atheist. And he said, I may not be a believer, but I have a nostalgia for a belief. And I feel that a lot in Gene Roddenberry, um, Mm -hmm. that nostalgia for a belief. And I wonder if that's kind of what's going on in the scene that Kirk is expressing a bit of a nostalgia for a belief or, or a nostalgia for a time and place and just saying, you know, this is a being still, you know, this isn't, this isn't a fantasy and this, in this idea, it's this whole chariots of the gods um, concept that the gods are actually aliens, that there were real beings that the gods mm-hmm. are based on and they're alien beings who came to earth, which is, you know, it is what it is, but it's kind of it's kind of baked into Star Trek. We do that a lot, yeah, <laughs> a little too much, and uh, and you know, and so this is a being, and you kind of have pity for him when he's when he's having to leave and feeling so despondent, like his life is over, and and he says, you know, I wonder if it would have hurt us to to have gathered just a few laurel leaves. Like, could we still give him a little bit of honor? could we still like make him feel good just for a few minutes, just for a little while, you know, mm-hmm. would it really have hurt us? And I don't know the answer to that question in all honesty. Um, you know, and I, I think maybe it comes more down to, could we have dealt with this a different way? Was there a sort of a diplomatic solution? We might consider this being's feelings, consider this being's, ancientness right i don't know if it's a word but whatever um, <laughs> um and and maybe have done something to make him feel accommodated to make him feel that we understand that we do owe him something we do owe um the greek civilization something we do owe that pantheon of gods something because it did help form who we are as a people mm-hmm. As assuming, yeah, yeah, assuming that in the 23rd century the Western civilization is dominant, but <laughs> but moving on, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big assumption. Right that's there. a big assumption, yeah. Um, 
but but yeah but that's the idea you know and it's like you know and i, I wonder if that might be sort of a diplomatic a, a moment where kirk would would say hmm maybe i could have had a different diplomatic approach than just digging in my heels and saying no you know because mm -hmm. i'm because we're averse to worshiping you know gods or whatever that and uh you know well he doesn't say we're averse to worshiping gods actually in that episode he says um mankind has no need for gods we find the one quite adequate which is another little wonky saying in star trek <laughs> um that we don't know what to do with because we don't know who the one is um but uh, it is it is a curious thing it is a curious moment in star trek and and i don't ever want to take one moment in star trek and make it too big like that we find the one quite one quite adequate i mean I, it's yes it's, it's a chapter it's a chapter title in, in my book but <laughs> that line and the sun up in the sky and in different different lines from the original series. I think Christians do too, sometimes make too much of, a lot of people will make too much of one line or another line, mm -hmm. um, especially if it doesn't reverberate throughout Star Trek. But it is an interesting moment. It is a moment that puzzles me. And I kind of want to read it more about another way of diplomacy that we could have taken. Another, another uh, kind of questioning our, our actions, even if we don't question our motives. Um, which I think is a good thing to do. I don't know if that's why it was written that way or not, but, you know, or is it a nod to, hey, maybe there is some value to some religion. Maybe a little bit of, a, of it isn't too bad. Like, I don't even know. Um, but I don't, I really don't think, in principle, I don't think it's good to offer false worship to anybody, to anything. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there so is that. Where does too. that fit into the meat to idols uh meat to idols yeah the, the meat to false well, idols it's the not meat. about offering the meat to the idols it's about eating the meat that had been offered to idols that was that was the controversy fair so it's not about like you know oh you know no you should not offer the meat to the idols no right. <laughs> but and also you shouldn't do that falsely you know you shouldn't do that falsely to right. to curry favor or whatever um pretend to worship something you don't worship or or you know, or anything like that. I don't, I don't think that's good either. But there again, I think Kirk has a bead on something that uh, it would be interesting to see how Jean-Luc handled that situation. We can mm. say that about a lot of Kirk stories. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's my best answer that I can give you for that. So thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Okay. Oh, so I do want to say that next week is going to be a little weird. I know I usually ask you what's coming on next week, but I want to tell the folks at home um, because this has been, this was the season finale of Lower Decks. Um, we are next week going to start talking about season three of Discovery and the position in that pe people may have noticed that I've started putting timestamps on everything in the description. So you know which part of the episode is what. And next week I'm going to be putting that to full advantage, hopefully, because we're going to be moving the Discovery episode up to where the Lower Decks episode normally is. We might talk about it a little longer than we talk about a Lower Decks episode. But then when we get to the main story, my hope is that in the main story section, we can start digging into other Star Trek on purpose, not new Star Trek, but older Star Trek on purpose in order to diversify what we're doing in the podcast. And it might link in with the Discovery episode. So I'm not sure how certain I will be in advance of each week's theme. <laughs> we're going to see how things go with this first episode of the new of the new season of discovery and see what happens that's my plan that's my hope um but what you can do is just utilize that 
that uh, list of timestamps and decide what part of the episode you want to listen to. Um, and hopefully there'll be some older Star Trek stuff in there for people who are more interested in that. And we'll, we'll try to diversify the podcast a little bit. But that's the plan. And uh, there you go. So, uh, Tim, uh, what's next week look like for us? Well, next week we're going to diversify the episode a little <laughs> bit and uh, change things up. I don't know. You, you pretty much... I pretty much my, stole your thunder, you took, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, you took it from me. <laughs> You know, you did my I, job. What am I even here for? I don't know. You know, I, I asked myself the same question and, and then you kicked me, um, <laughs> which is which is interesting because we're not even, even in the same room. So. All right. So, um, yeah. All right. Obviously. That so we're sounds kinda... great. I hope you'll join us. No. <laughs> you want to do my lines? Yeah. So no, no, obviously, no, 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 obviously we're going to we're going to get into season three next week. And I'm so excited about it. I hope everyone will join us. Also, in the meantime, please like, share, rate, comment and subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, go ahead and ring the bell for notifications. And also, please send your questions. We love getting them. Gospel According to Star Trek on Twitter and Facebook or Gospel Trek Podcast at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to discuss your question on the next show. Tim, do you have any- Oh, thank you. Do you have anything else to say to the folks at home, Tim? Uh, I just want to say, if you're thinking about changing your hair color, remember that it's always a good day to die. <laughs> oh that's beautiful i love it (laughs) um well that's with that with that sage advice that wonderful um the old klingon proverb that uh that that turns out they were talking about hair coloring they were talking about hair coloring this whole time (laughs) maybe they're born with it maybe so maybe it's maybelline (laughs) all right that's gonna wrap it up for this edition of the gospel according to star trek podcast thank you so much for being here and until next time i'm tim van orden And I'm Kevin Sinise, and as Jesus said in John 10.10, live long and prosper. See you next time.